get a little something, something from y'all. Speaking to the mic, Jaina. Do I pull it yeah, in? Just go ahead and talk. It's already. Right. Oh, it's already. Yeah. You can hear me? I'm not here. Hey, you can hear me? Uh, you can okay. Test, test, test. Yeah. Okay. Hmm? Okay. Yeah. I right. try. Yeah. I, I try. <clears throat> My patients be like, speak up. I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> Welcome to Somebody's Gotta Say It. What we all gonna say it. It's your girl, the HBIC, the Queen of Podcasts, and the Lamb, B. Christine. What up, y'all? Um, I have guests in the building. Miss um, Drina Monique, she has been here with us before. And we got a newbie on the mic, Mr. Justin E. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Tell them, well, Drina, you go first, ladies first. Okay? Ah. Um, you, know, you know how I go. We're going to put you on the spot. Put me on the spot. Of course. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Drina. What you want to know? <laughs> um, I am Drina. <laughs> you was way more than that. We was more at home chilling. Um, but I guess I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, born and raised. I'm a mother of two daughters, 26 and 21. I have three granddaughters. Um, let's see, I'm a nurse. I'm an entrepreneur. I will be opening up a boutique in Tower City. My grand opening date is 8-2-22. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I'm a survivor. I guess that's most important. Justin. All right, I'm Justin E. I, um, I have three kids. I, uh, I solve problems for a living. <laughs> Hustler <laughs> and uh, consummate. Um, I'm a consummate uh, uh, investigator of myself, so always growing, always trying to get better. That's what's up. Now the topic of tonight's show, and it's been it's been weighing on me. And um, when I came up with the topic, um, I had a, a spiritual zone with my girl L. Shout out to her, L. Book. Um, and it was me, her, Sparkle, and Precious. And um, we were talking about healing childhood traumas. And it was coming up in the card readings. And me and Precious was sitting there, because I had to happen to be working overtime that day. And me and Precious happened to be sitting there. And we sat there and talked about it. And she was like, you should do a show on childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I should. Like really, really delve into it of what it is, what it's not, you know, how you can recognize it, where your different, where your different uh, trauma responses come from. Um, and I started digging into it and started finding out a lot of different things. Um, number one, just because your mother told you no, that's not a, a trauma. Now, mm. she may have you know, just called you a couple of dirty names after that or, you know, beat you while she was doing it. Mm -hmm. 
that's a trauma because she could talk to you about it. But um, a lot of us in our age range have dealt with some type of trauma, whether it be physical, mental, um, the lack of, or emotional, so to speak, lack of love, the wrong, the wrong type of love. Um, and sometimes when you, you look at it, it spans back to generational because it could be your mother, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, all of whom thought that this was the way of rearing a child. When in most cases, a lot of the time it really wasn't, but that's what they had to deal with. Um, then when you factor in alcohol, drugs, and lack of financials, it becomes a whole nother ball game or it becomes a snowball effect, actually. It just goes until somebody tries to stop it. Um, I'm at the, the point where, like I said, I, I call it the show, you can't heal what you never reveal. Mm -hmm. We all have been through things or know someone who's been through some things and they don't talk about it or they don't know how to open up and talk about it or when to even open up and talk about it. So um, hopefully this this series will open up people's minds and thought process of even trying to understand what's going on. Like you might not like your mother, but if you understood what happened to her or you know anything like that, you may have a better understanding of how to even go about dealing with your mother or with your father or with your sibling, any of that nature. Um, so let's, let's get into it. Um, I will start with my own uh, personal brand of uh, trauma. Um, my mother was young for one. Uh, she was 20 years older than me when she had me. Um, my father was and is a hothead. He don't, he was meant to get me here, he was not meant to raise me. Um, and I've come to that conclusion over my lifetime of living and learning and delving in my own spiritualness. Um, mom was young, dad was a lot older than her. Um, my mother did a lot of shit that young girls do, you know. Um, I was with other people a lot. I was with my grandmother, my godmother, my godfather, but even being over there, I seen things that most children were not supposed to see. Um, I saw the fist fights, I saw the, the alcohol abuse, the drug abuse, you know, even though my mother was going through her own similar brand of the same thing. Um, my uncle kept me alive. He become like, he didn't see my mother doing what he felt she was supposed to do for me. He took me. Um, things didn't get a lot settled until my baby sister came along. I was maybe about eight or nine years old, and we moved in with my grandmother. That's when my grandmother became my mother. Um, my mother kind of like stepped back and let my grandmother raise us until it was time for like discipline. Then my grandmother like, you know, whoop your kids, whatever. Um, but 
also being the oldest, having to help raise kids that was not mine. It gave me a level of maturity that I probably wouldn't have had if I had not if I didn't have no no siblings. Um, I was immediately placed in the kitchen. Responsibility, you the oldest. You know, you got to hold yourself to a certain standard so they don't follow behind you. So that was kind of a a hard thing to kind of do. Um, but I did. I, I helped raise my little sisters. Um, honestly, like when my grandmother died, it, it really came to a head where it was more so I was their mother and my mother was more like a sister. Um, and I told my mom in recent talks with actually being able to have a conversation with her about these things. Um, I told her, I said, you gave up your power to our grandmother. Yes, we lived under her roof, but we were still your children. So you were supposed to put your foot down and say, Ma, no, this is this and this is that. Or y'all could have came to some type of common ground. You just kind of gave up your, 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 your parental rights, so to speak. Like, anytime it came time for us to want to do something, we had to ask Grandma. It wasn't no, oh, go ask your mother. Like, at first it was like, she was like, why is you coming to me and asking me anything? Where's your mother? And I'm like, well, she told me to come ask you. And that's how the process began of my mother giving her power over to my grandmother. And I noticed that coming up, so when I had my child, I was like, yeah, no, nah, that's not happening. That's my child, what I say go. If what you're saying is a semblance of correct, I'm gonna go with it. But for the most part, if I tell him no, he can't have something, that's it. Or if I tell him he can go somewhere, that's it. Um, he don't have to ask nobody but me, because I'm his mother. Um, certain things that I see my mother do coming up where I would have never allowed. Like, I pride myself on not allowing my children to see different things. Um, and it worked out pretty good with the first one. I'm still working with the other one. Um, but I did notice different little trauma responses that I had and even dealing with relationships, friendships in my life like not letting go when i was supposed to holding on to something that really didn't mean me no good i did all of those things because i didn't know that i wasn't supposed to and growing up and seeing different things i was taught that that was love that's what i was supposed to go through in order to be in love and have a man but then i had to take a step back because those were not the things that I was supposed to do to keep a man or have a man or anything. I had to learn to love myself more in order to even align myself with the type of man that I want or need in some in some cases. But that's come from me digging back into my childhood traumas and figuring out that everything, good or bad, shaped me. How do I figure out how to deprogram myself from certain things on triggers, trauma triggers. How do I deprogram myself from that? 
some, in some cases, some people seek therapy. You know, they really need to talk to somebody who can help them sort their thoughts out. Other people, you know, I do my podcast. That's how I get my story out. That's how I work through it. Um, but some people have some traumas that are so strong that they truly, truly need to go talk to somebody because, you know, your, your traumas is that, that, that deep. And I know a few people that's like that, um, that they ended up having to go and talk to other people in order to get their head space in the right order. Some people never go. And I watched a good friend of mine, instead of her going to get help with her childhood trauma, she went straight down the rabbit hole of doing drugs. And I know, being that I know her family, that's a generational curse on their family. Like, everybody, all on her daddy's side. Everybody got to have it. Bam. Um, and it hurt to see her go down that path. And I had to let her go. And had to, she still going down that path and there's nothing I can do about it because I got my own. And we got Is that So, um, it's a weird uh, thing to deal with, but it's something as an adult is necessary to be done. Oh, I might, y'all might want me to go last, but uh, <laughs> basically, in regards to childhood trauma and um, in regards to me, okay, I um, again, I was um, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, my mom and my dad, they were together um, when she was pregnant with me. And from what I can see, like they had, yeah, that's okay. So, um, basically, in a nutshell, my mom, to give a little gist of her history, I'm just finding out she was the um, product of a rape. Um, my grandmother was raped at 15, and she consumed, I mean, she had my mother back in those days. They really didn't believe in abortion, and my grandmother's religious black background was Christianity, so it was um, condemned. Um, her and my father broke up, and from what I remember as a little girl is us always moving around. Um, I remember my mother being real glamorous and in the streets, and we just, we was always moving around or out and about somewhere. Um, in the early 80s, we moved on Lakeshore Boulevard and um everything was fine my mother was she always instilled education in us she always um 
she took pride in education and her kids being knowledgeable. So that's how we started off on Lakeshore. How we ended was horrible. Um, my mother got into a relationship. That relationship became volatile. Um, next thing I know, she stopped coming home. And those days grew longer and longer and longer. Um, she became abusive, neglectful, and we were just traumatized. Um, she started accusing of uh, us of like stealing things from her, and this was her, I guess, gateway into crack cocaine. Um, she kicked us out, and that's how we wound up in the system. It was me and my three brothers. Um, we wound up in the system. I don't know if you guys know of a place called Messenbaum, but they took us there. By the grace of God, I had my father's side of the family, so that was also the first time that they split us up. And that was the last time we were all together as siblings. Um, we went into Messenbaum. They did their intake. I went with my grandmother. My two older brothers went with um, foster parents and my youngest brother, surprisingly, they let him stay with my mom until she left him in the house by herself and he set the house on fire. And that's how he got into the system. But getting into Messenbaum, I was exposed to kids who had been through a lot of processes in life. Um, I was subjected to bullying, um, being touched by other kids, just a lot of different um, avenues. They tried over and over to, you know, reconcile us with my mother. And during those reconciliations, she would get back on drugs and she would leave us places. And some of those places were not good. So it was a lot of just um, molestation, mental abuse, things of that nature. Um, going to 1992, I was 12, lost my virginity. I'm in the streets. I'm now considered, I'm labeled a um, juvenile delinquent, runaway. These are the labels that are being put on me by the system now. Um, Instead of them looking into foster homes, now they're looking into group homes. So now I'm going to different um, places for troubled kids. I ran away a lot, um, became promiscuous, um, first pregnancy at 12. And my father was shot and killed in 1993, the year after. And his last words to me, I had ran away and I saw him on Huff. And he was, he was like, what are you doing out here? And I told him, and he was like, you know, I'm tired of this. We gonna talk to your social worker in the morning, da 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 da. Those was the last words that I heard from my father. And that was the last time I felt like I had any type of savior or grace that would get me out of the situation that I was in. Um, after he passed away, I went wild. Like nobody could control me, nobody could, I just, and I couldn't, I had no understanding for it. People would ask, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? I couldn't give them an answer. And the thing that settled me was I became pregnant at 14 with my second daughter. 
and that's my 26 year old and her father even though he was in a messed up situation we were kind of like Romeo and Juliet you know he came from a messed up family I came from a messed up family so we thought we was gonna run away and just um, build this perfect family I grew he didn't and at that time I was in a foster home and uh, you know I got kicked out that foster home when I was 17 and it was at the discretion of her giving me my check every month that she wouldn't you know the authorities would wouldn't find out because if they did they would have took my daughter so that's how that path began I got my first low-income apartment when I was 18 didn't know how to pay bills didn't know how to keep a house I didn't have any type of skill sets that would be functionable for me to maintain a household um, started hanging with friends and I wanted to go out and you know it was just it was bad and this led to years and years of um, just moving around a lot um, dropping my daughter off over at grandmother's house so I can go out and it it took for me to move out of town to North Carolina and meet incredible friends that I'm still friends to to this day they taught me how to cook how to clean how to take care of my children things of that nature and I thought I was fine I thought I was you know come I was moving into a progression of normalcy not knowing that I had not even came an inch to any type of growth I was learning how to put on masks I was learning how to um, make myself presentable to society and look normal and so I moved back to Cleveland, and when I moved back to Cleveland, I went to nursing school, graduated, and still, still was faced with, you know, people, promis promiscuity, you know, dating different men and thinking that, you know, if they see that I'm intelligent, if they see I'm educated, if they see I got a good job, if they see I take good care of my kids, they're going to want to be in a relationship with me, not knowing that everything that you have inside of you protrudes out of you and so I attracted the wrong type of man I attracted the wrong type of friends because I was a giver I thought that I had to give in order to receive any type of friendship or anything like that so um you know I have fake friends and this will always put me into a dark place where I didn't want to be bothered with nobody. I just wanted to cut off from the world because I couldn't understand why these things in life was hurting me. Why was I going through these things? Um, it took the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I was in a relationship. You already know. Mm -hmm. um, it took the pandemic and for me to get on a plane for the first time in my life and go to New York to understand that it was so much more in me than what I have ever offered myself, that I deserve so much more than anything I've ever given to myself or anybody else has. Um, and I started a journey towards healing. And this is two years later, I'm still in that journey, but what I can say, the growth and how I carry myself I'm not going to say I'm two different people, 
but I definitely have leveled up and can't nobody tell me about me. Can't nobody come into my bubble, my circle with toxicity, things of that nature. I know that I'm a beautiful person. I know that I have things to offer and you know, it took me for well, some plus 40 years, but I'm here now. And what I tell people in regards to childhood trauma is we learn to put on masks. We learn to cover up things and we don't learn how to forgive ourselves. And also the people who may have done things to us and the, but the most important thing is forgiving yourself to be able to look into that mirror and not look for flaws, but look for the beauty inside of you and know that it wasn't your fault for what happened. It wasn't your fault for, you know, the things you are not subservient mm -hmm. to your to your past. Mm -hmm. That when you look in that mirror, you have to be able to look in there and say, hey, gorgeous, hey, handsome. You are amazing. You're going to have a beautiful day. And you have to be able to do that and not look for it and others doing it for you. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is protecting your space. And forgiving, forgiving the people who you feel have wronged you. And I'm not saying that you have to go and hug and love on them, but you have to get an understanding that their karma and their fate and whatever it is that God has in store for them for whatever downfalls that they did, that's on them. You have to move on with your life. You have to grow and you have to progress. And if you hold on to the thought process that, I hate this person or oh my god this person did this to me and you get angry and mad every time you think of the situation it's hindering you it's hindering your growth so it's not to let go but it's to heal it's the difference between healing and letting go you know healing is saying hey I'm able to sit in a room with somebody who molested me I'm able to confront that person I'm able to talk to my mother about the things that she did wrong with me. And if she does not give me or he does not give me the answer of which I seek, I can still leave that room and not be haunted mm -hmm. by it and just be okay. Like, that's the answer I get? All right. So that's kind of in a nutshell. It could go on for days, <laughs> but I'm, I try to, you know, bundle it up. Yeah, bundle it up. Justin, let me, let, me, let me hear you speak on the subject. So, uh, my story's a little different. Um, I'm gonna start my story back in 2019 when I decided to move on from ministry, church in general. Um, and the reason I moved on is because I realized I didn't have a voice that was my own. Um, my sense of self and my sense of who I was was warped by uh, what others told me. Primarily my parents, um, more so my mom uh, than my father. And it was that point when I decided to move on that the shadow work started. And it started without my permission. Yeah, it always did. <laughs> so, um, but it was through that shadow work that I uh, began to look backwards 
we had to look and dig in my childhood for where all this came from. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I still deal with to this day, but every day I'm getting better, every day I'm healing, you know, like we all are, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, going back to my childhood, I saw where there was a lot of control. A lot of control over what I said, what I did, where I went, what I could do, what I couldn't do. There was just control, and that shit was everywhere. <laughs> okay? It was everywhere. Just everywhere. So, um, I was, it's like, it was like navigating through a minefield at times. And you talked about, Dre, you talked about the masks. So I learned early how to put on masks. Mm-hmm. You know, I put on masks just to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Just so I can get back home, be in my own space, and not have to deal yep. with anyone mm-hmm. or anybody. Yep, that dark place. You know, so um, I spent a lot of time by myself growing up, um, which was another trauma that I looked back on and realized that I was left to myself too often. So it was like where my parents should have been a little more hands off. Too much, and where it should have been more hands on, it was not enough, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, I spent my whole life just couldn't wait to grow up, couldn't wait to grow up, couldn't wait to get out the house, couldn't wait to do what I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it, how I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And I never quite got there. And I, and I would say, to some extent, um, there was some good in not being able to do what I, what I wanted to do. I think we all need boundaries and we all need some measure of um, uh, sense of, okay, knowing what's too far, where's the line, okay? But when you don't have enough autonomy, you have a hard time telling where the line is. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the line is blurred mm-hmm. at times, you know? So, um, my home also was very religious, very, very, very religious. Um, came out of home, we were non, non-denominational in title, but nonetheless, again, a lot of my parents were pastors, so I was a pastor's kid, so I had to deal with, again, keeping up an image, keeping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sense of decorum and that whole thing in front mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of a better term. I hate it. So, yeah. um, but what I found as I've been going through doing my own shadow work and growing up is again, looking back and seeing that it was a constant voice of my mother in my ear about what to do, what not to do, when to do this and when not to do that. And again, it not necessarily even being about me. You know, where I began to realize that my sense of self was suppressed and it was repressed. Um, so that I could fulfill a certain, uh, fulfill life in a certain way or act a certain way or be a certain way. And so I found that it, it's affected me in my relationships, it's affected me in my friendships, it's affected me professionally at times. Um, 
because all I what I found myself wanting to do for years was just I need to get away. I want to get away from from everything that mm -hmm. wants to try to control me. I want to get away from everything. I mean, sometimes it's a measure of just you know I don't want the responsibility. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want it because I felt like I was thrust into it so early and so soon, um, being thrust into the spotlight, so that you know even my twenties, I felt like I lost my twenties. I spent so much time doing church stuff that again didn't necessarily release or reveal an authentic version of myself. Um, I only feel that just now an authentic version of myself is coming out. I feel like an authentic version of myself is coming forward. Mm -hmm. um, um, also, another thing that I dealt with often my dad yelled a lot. My dad was a big man, like probably about your height, you know, uh, big man and. I'm short, <laughs> you know, I'm little, so, you know, uh, uh, they said he yelled a lot, and that would wear on me, mm -hmm. it would wear on me, because again, it was a, a case of that too much, not enough mm -hmm. of the right thing and too much of the wrong thing at times, I think that's what we all are dealing with, yeah. you know, when yeah. we need, when we need, uh, when we needed love and affection, we got aggression, Yeah. and when we needed to be corrected gently, you know, you know. I don't believe in spanking kids. That's just me. Um, but we got, I got the belt, and I found, I found in my own life that the belt was a type of trauma. Yeah. I did find that. I did find that out. Some people would not agree with that, but I found out. Yes, it is. It is a type of trauma, um, because when I needed to be talked to, I didn't get a conversation. Um, so. So, like I said, it, it all, all of it really lent itself to me looking for a way out, spending my whole life just looking for a way out, you know. Yeah. So that um, to now, I'm just now learning how to properly engage people from the onset. I'm just now learning how to engage people genuinely and authentically, you know, not just trying to get something out of them or just trying to work them over, this, that, and the other. Um, not just trying to, uh, and, I'm, and, I'll, and I'll be, I'll be transparent. I'm twice divorced. Um, both of my marriages reflected my lack of voice. I'm talking through church speak. I'm talking through spiritual speak. You know, I'm talking through all these masks, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking. Mm -hmm. And I found that that was that was a big piece of what destroyed my relationships is because I was upholding an ideal and a thing over properly loving and caring for the person that I was supposed to be with, you know, uh -huh. supposed to be that I love with this, that, or however you want to say it. So, um, um, my trauma, like I said, it has um, also much to do with, like I said, being left alone a lot. So, that led itself to me having a lot of idle time. We talked about skill building, mm -hmm. you know, and those kind of things, where, where I should have been engaged in skill building. When I came to like sports and things like that, I was never really pushed the way I needed to be pushed to keep going and mm -hmm. to not quit. And I gave up. The only thing that I was, I was kept, I was pushed on was my, my uh, function as a musician. Um, other than that, uh, I, when it came to being engaged and being exposed to things, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I came up in a, what, what, what most people say was a good home. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not gonna make any, I'm not gonna front. I came up in, in a 
pretty safe environment. Um, but the damage was done. My mom told me later in life, as she began to start working on her stuff, as she began to start doing her shadow work in her 40s, mm -hmm. she told me and my sister flat out, me and my younger sister, flat out, we we're gonna need counseling when we get older. And she was right. She was absolutely right. Because um, it was back in 2019 after I snapped and I left ministry and I moved on, that's when I found how much of the damage had been done. And I needed mm -hmm. someone to talk to mm -hmm. to help sort out a lot of what I was facing, a lot of what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. So um, that's my story in a nutshell. I'm probably say more as we go through the uh, evening, but. Um, believe it or not, and you just talking, I just saw my son. Because I didn't really push him as hard as I should have pushed him in sports. Um, I pushed him into his talents. I always was one of the ones where I felt like if that's your talent, focus on your talent. Mm -hmm. He really, he could have been a football kid. I don't know. I never really pushed him to try. I think I let him play football maybe one year when he was like six. And when he said, my I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to go back. I didn't say, son, don't quit. Nothing like that. I was like, oh, well, okay, you don't want to do that? Let's try something else. Yeah. Um, and certain things, should I have pushed him a little harder? Maybe. But I also realized that he is on person. And if this is not something that he wants to do, if he's not like, well, mom, I'm going to play for another team, or I didn't push it, but I get it. Like it, it, it resonated with me when you said that, like pushing him into his musical talents. And at one point he said he wanted to write and I wouldn't allow him to. Mm. Which now on the path that he's on, I maybe should have allowed him to. It probably would have sent him down another path, but I didn't see the value in that particular talent that he had. I was just, no, cello, 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 go to college, go to college, go to college. But that was me trying to get him to do something that I didn't do. I didn't look at him as, oh, he's his own complete person. He gonna do what he gonna yeah, do. That, that's, that's, that's a lot of the story for me. And, that's, and I didn't get yeah. that until pandemic. He's 18, graduated from high school, trying to figure himself out and there was nothing I could do to truly help him figure himself out. And I was like, I gotta step back and allow him to be the man that he's gonna choose to be himself. Um, did I pour a lot of uh, trauma onto my child? I kinda think I did. Uh, I allowed my mother to put trauma onto my child. Um, but I also realized that I allowed my son to talk to me and tell me those things. I allowed him to say, my X, Y, Z, you know, he came and he talked and said, I love my grandmother, but I don't like her. I don't like what she did to you. I don't like what she did to my aunties. I don't like how she acted after grandma died, which was my grandmother, his great grandmother. Um, and he said, he said, I don't like how she became. And 
I'm gonna get into that on the next show because I'm gonna actually have her on the next show. And we're gonna talk about it. Um, but just show story alone, just it, it, it clicked in my head. I'm, I'm stroke. Go ahead and and, and, and come on, I'm like, and, and give me what you came to do. Um, shit. Um, <laughs> my story start as stories, like. Back on it now, I could probably guess what happened, you know, but it was like we stayed in Garden Valley. Um, we stayed on the third floor. I had cousins on the first floor, and the whole building was like family. So it was like two, three in the morning. I'm asleep. My mother probably somewhere in the building, kicking it. I pop up, ain't nobody in the apartment. So I'm freaking the fuck out. Little me freaking the fuck out. I hear a voice to say, I'm cool. Fine, with you, just go back to sleep. I always say, when I tell people, like, that's why I fucking God so hard, just because of that. Like, that's, when I heard that voice and I felt that calmness, that's, that was my introduction to what, as I would say, to God. Mm-hmm. Me growing up as a Christian, me growing up with, in a single mother environment, I ain't gonna say a single parent, say a single mother environment a bunch of single mother. Um, the relationship with God always was dictated on how they sing God. But I make God for myself. So that's gonna be kinda hard moving forward as a child. Now mind you this shit happened when I was three. I've always been inquisitive, I've always had a certain sense for life. Mm-hmm. So start asking questions. First question is, um, why girls get to wear so many clothes and boys don't? If we supposed to be equal, this is around the time I'm born in '86. This is around that feminist movement. We doing all this shit equal to equality and men ain't. You know what I'm saying? This all that. So I got questions. You know what I'm saying? I'm hearing what's going on. Why women get to wear all these clothes and men don't? If we all equal, it seems like it's more clothing options available. You know, girls and you know, and ain't no, all we get is pants and shorts. Little shit like that. Well, how come I can't have no baby? And, you know, girl can't. You know, just little dreary mm-hmm. shit. That shit led me into realizing, like, I can't trust nobody to tell me shit. Like, because everything they told me did not line up with what I was seeing in real life. Like, mind you, I'm a child. I live in a project. I don't know what the project is. It's just my living. I'm around single moms. I don't know the extent of none of this shit. I just know I'm here. So to me, it's like shit. You gotta make the best of wherever you at because it's just you and you control you. You know what I'm saying? Like so, whatever everybody else got going on, just make sure you cool. So my mom was young when she had me, so I got passed around a lot. So everywhere I went, I would make my own space. Like if they had an extra room, I would take it out, rearrange it, I'd make my own space, keep it clean. Um, if it was a closet, like say I'm with, oh my cousin, house is five of these niggas, ain't no extra room. 
who got an extra club, and nigga, I go in there and make me feel important shit, because I need my own space. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm used to being by myself. I need a place to where I could be me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look at it as trauma as a kid, because you never do. You just think you live in it. You know what I'm saying? All this shit going on. And man, my mom's just busy. You know what I'm saying? Like, she, she do what she do. I'm, I'm here with my cousins. I'm kicking it. You ain't realize a week or two went past, man. Yeah, I know your mom say she worked, but goddamn, like, <laughs> yeah. you've been gone from out your house for like two or three weeks. You basically live with your family. Like, you, you don't even live at home. Um, I'm trying to explain to my mother that I'm getting bullied by my cousins for being destroyed. I'm my only child. I got toys because most black only children that are spoiled. I'm not at home to play with this shit. So I'm getting bullied for shit that I don't even, you know what I'm saying? I don't even, with. got all these toys, nigga. Mm -hmm. I'll fuck you and all this other shit. And it's like, bro, I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. The toys is at the house, my nigga. Ain't, ain't nobody playing with it. Get there, my nigga. Trust me, it's a good time for everybody. Right. 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 What the fuck is y'all talking about? I don't yeah. even think that shit. Yeah. So all my life, everything by everything being a story, everything is a perception. Nobody takes the time to say, hey, what do you like? And a few people that do, they old. They aunties, uncles, great aunties, great uncles, and they like, damn, this baby's smart. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. So the younger people who, the old people pouring into me, but the younger niggas, uh, uh, this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. that type of shit. So you're around your aunties and your cousins and everybody else. Like, oh, here come this nigga, go mm -hmm. to child. You don't know what the fuck they talking about. You just you. Mm -hmm. like, and you don't know how that shit weigh on you until you get grown and you start to see how you deal with other motherfuckers where you let shit slide because, damn, you know what I'm saying? Everybody say, I got it, maybe I should. You know what I'm saying? Great, yeah. great. Damn, if I am this, then maybe I should do this, maybe I should do that. And. They don't talk about the shit that you gotta go through for taking on some shit that other people put on. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, we grew up religious too. We want nobody no ministers and no shit like that. But you just thought my grandma was the way she made the nigga read the Bible. Right. But it's like if I read this book enough for myself, if you keep making me read this shit, eventually I'm gonna have my own question. Mm -hmm. And if they don't line up with your shit, you can't fault me for that because you the one that made me read this book. And you can't fault me for having my own brain. Like your own your own voice shit. Like yeah. it's like your own voice. But one thing I noticed about the black community, when it come to me, and I don't care if it's a little boy to a grown ass man, it always gotta be some type of leech around us. Mm -hmm. Whether it's psychological, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, with like a man cannot be a full blooded man without the permission of what I like to call the gynocracy. Because it's like being a boy growing up with all women, I don't know what it's like to be a man. Ain't no men around and the men you got around you pick. These is not this is not my bloodline. I don't know these niggas. I don't have no I got a human connection with everybody. But a spiritual blood connection, I don't know these motherfuckers. Right. Like I don't these is your niggas. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I love you, mom, but these is your niggas. I don't you can't push that family mm -hmm. shit where it don't fit. Right. And I got that shit pushed on me to the point where niggas are, oh, it's my little nigga, but you beat my ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You using what my mama wanted against, and you beat my ass. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, hell no. 
But your mom's, she won't serve your shit. The nigga trying to survive. Your ass caught in the middle. You just getting fucked up and everybody like, hey man, like, hey. You just gotta keep on going. You just gotta keep going and you gotta keep going. Like, man, it's just, it's always something. Like, you supposed to just keep the shit going. You ain't supposed to say shit. You ain't supposed to speak out on the shit. And it be funny though, because you, like, I'm pretty sure you feel this shit. When you grow up in religious environments, man, they tell you to do anything. what I've learned to know who you are you got to know where you come from and I don't just limit that to our immediate family I don't I don't just to our southern family I go all the way back to how we got over here and the things that you are saying and people don't even put it into like they don't even put it together the same conversations that we are having today is traumas from slavery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people don't even know that they're embedded into our genetic disposition to be how we are. You know, I get a lot, I don't talk a lot about religion because, again, I was always a thinker and I wanted to know about this place that I was being condemned to, these pits of hell, and I was so scared to try not to do the things that got me there, but I wanted to know why was it there? Like, why is it a place so harsh for people who act in human nature? You get what I'm saying? They make mistakes. And we didn't come over here with a Bible. Everybody has, every every human life and existence has some type of spirituality. But it's not the basis of Christianity per se, it's spirituality. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was like, okay, when I learned about the people in Honduras and the indigenous people in the jungles, I'm like, so they going to hell? Because they don't read the Bible. You know what I'm saying? So are they condemned to hell? But when I became, when I started learning, and not the textbook theory of slavery, but when I started looking into it and started looking into how it started in Africa, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, we sold ourselves, but we don't think of it in the context. We think of it as slaves. Okay, we sold ourselves into slaveries. No, in Africa, you are born into a certain position. You might be subservient or you might be of royalty. And you could buy your way, you can work your way out of this subservient. You can marry your way into it. So that was the slavery. Slavery has always been. Um, but that, that servitude was what was in Africa. When Europeans came over there, they got us with guns, booze, and beads. 
And they said, oh, you getting into it with this tribe? I can help you take over their land. You know what I'm saying? Just do this. Give me some people. And that's how we began to trade our servants. Because we didn't know they were coming over to America getting beat, robbed, raped. You know what I'm saying? Of everything. We just thought that they was going over there to help them build their colonies. So we sent our people over there. And then there was kidnapping and things of that nature. I don't, I'm not going to say it wasn't brutal. But it's not what they tell us. Like, oh, well, y'all sold yourselves too. We thought we were doing business deals. True to life. We did. Okay. And, you know, human nature, you want to take over. We, we are known to take over. That's the kingdom of life. To be the, the, you know, the, king of, the king of the kingdom. Um, but anyways, when we got over here, they couldn't understand how we, we, we learned to communicate with each other. We stuck together. We learned how to try to figure this out, how to get back home or get free or whatever. And that's when the Bible came into play. They made us sit in their churches and listen to their religion. And they condemned us with these pits of hell and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, they were teaching us as women that we can't trust our black men. Mm -hmm. They cannot protect us. They cannot, um, they will not be, they will never be the head of our household. When they buck broke them in front of us, like yeah. they said, yeah. they basically, like, they would tie our men down the stumps and literally, like, sodomize them yes, and do anything to degrade and them and women basically show us like your man their their thought we gonna show you your man ain't shit right that's, and that's we gonna show you we probably more shit, powerful than your man what i'm saying is that shit came way before like like slavery like you gotta take in account world history that's what i'm saying it's just it's like yeah I'm equating it to our culture, but world history, that's why I said human dominance has always been a part of us from, that's that's just human dominance from the time where we, we, we became humans. We wanted to dominate, and it came in different aspects, the Roman Empire, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not just equating it to slavery, but I'm equating it to us. Oh, no, it's, it, it yeah. all Yeah. Yeah. I had my first son when I was 20. Mm -hmm. Just like my mother, she always bragged that we had the same time. Uh, your father didn't want you and all this other shit. And it was like, all right, well, I'm 20. I'm in the same position my father was doing. I could either run out on my baby mama, which was a great thought. I probably should have took that shit. But in hindsight, uh, I decided to step up. You know, I'm going to be better than my father. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this shit because this man didn't want me. So having a son started me asking questions about my other lineage. I know my, I know my baby mama and I know me, so therefore I know my son. But I don't know my dad, so therefore I don't know the other side of me. And when I start asking those questions, like I said, your life is stories. The real story came up. Your dad ain't your dad, it's a whole other thing. But you've been told your dad was some other shit your whole life. And at mm -hmm. 26, you just found out your entire existence is a lie. So, how do you how do you pull from the belief system that you've had for 26 years when it's all a lot? How do you pull from the emotional 
and spiritual and all the concepts you build under the lie of your life, which is the whole thing. Like, you can't function moving forward. And I tried. I couldn't. Like, I'd be at work, I'd break down and cry out of nowhere. And it'd be like, it'd be like, why are you crying? I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I would be with my kids and, like, and couldn't function. Like, you'd just be sitting there. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm with girls and shit. And, Never had a problem with women for real, but it was like I'm starting to see where this shit coming from. Because and knowing that my mom, that my father was a different person when she told the stories about my actual father, her energy, her negative energy that was delegated towards me growing up came out. So now I knew where all this funky energy that I couldn't figure out about my mom, now I knew where it came from. Because as soon as she talked about my father, it came out. And I know now, because I got a baby mom, and I see what happens when she talk about me when it comes to her son. She puts that shit off on him. So it's like me having a kid now, I get to know how fucked up my family was, and I just been believing the story that just we've been just this cool ass family this whole time, mm -hmm. only to find out we not. Man. And you fucked up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you been parading around like Ned Flanders mixed with Captain America from the hood your whole life. You know what I'm saying? You a church boy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You the, you the nigga in the hood that don't take, but you tell a nigga like, I don't do that shit, man. God, I don't like that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you just the hood church nigga, and you base this shit off your whole life, your life a lot. Yeah. So now what? Is is this God lying too? So then when I was like, damn, mom, like, why would you do me like that? And she said, man, God got me. I was like, why would God protect you after you did me like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you the one wronged me, so now God's supposed to protect you. What type of God do you serve? And then that led down a whole nother motherfucking path because it's like, what is this shit that you study that's called Christianity? I actually read the Bible. They don't do none of the shit that the Bible tell you to do. They keep saying the law done away with Jesus never said that shit. I said it. I read it. I, I never seen a book where he said, hey, don't do none of these rules. I whooped everybody ass over. Mm -hmm. Think about that shit. Why would I whoop everybody ass over this shit just to get rid of the fucking rules? He never said that shit. Nobody ever read the book to point that shit out. The church never will tell you that shit because then they lose their base. Exactly. He was built as a control mechanism from the Roman Empire. Exactly. Like, exactly. And Jesus was just a man. <clears throat> Jesus was a man with a strong faith, and he may be—he may have been in tune with, you know, um, things because we we only use what five three percent mm -hmm. of our brain. Mm -hmm. So maybe he was a little bit more in tune with things that people might have found at that time to be majestical and magical and. Oh my goodness, I don't know, but the book is a book of stories, and if I tell you a story and I repeat it to 10,000 people, how is this story going to turn out? Exactly. You get what I'm saying? So, just like you said, you hear a voice, listen, I've been sitting somewhere where I've been in a position where I've had a gun to my head, and a man told me to open my mouth and close my eyes, and I prayed. I prayed, and I opened my eyes, and he was gone. So I know it's a higher power. I just don't put a title on it, and I don't put a a a level. I don't put. I know that it's so omniscient, and it's in, it's within us. It's around us. It 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 it's everywhere. That's the spirit, you know. So. Jesus 
Yeah, that's what's up. But you, Jesus. You, Jesus. I'm Jesus. You, Jesus. You, Jesus. It's all about what you pour into this world. I'm just, I'm not saying it as if you, I'm just saying like the belief. The belief mechanism of Jesus is within all of us. And it's what you believe in and what you pour into yourself and what you pour out into others. I have been in, like I said, so many situations where I should not be sitting here looking like this. I'm, I don't look like where I came from. I'm going to tell you like this. And I know that God, God put me here for a reason. And I felt that reason when I was little. I knew I was different. But like you said, we have to, we try to be what everybody else wants us to be. So different is not good. Being above is not good. You know, I was all, I was, I was, I was made to feel like I always had to be humble in my thought process. Mm -hmm. You know, I was reading Shakespeare at seven. And my, like you said, my grandmother seen that. And she was like, oh, that baby's so smart. And my cousins, they like, oh, this little nerdy, little rash, mm -hmm. eczema. Mm -hmm. So they tease me. You know what I'm saying? And they, they, they developed that into me. But I heard that inner voice. I heard my grandmother. I heard that person just saying, you are awesome. And I held on to that a little bit, but I held on more to society's mm -hmm. thought process of uh -huh. me. Yeah. I can hold on to your shit while I'm here, but when I go home, it's just me. So yeah. I'm gonna hold on to me. Like that was yeah. my, that was my logic towards life. Like I'm, yeah, I'm over here for a month, but what happened when my mama come get me and I go home? You right. know what I'm saying? I'm getting trouble for y'all shit. Cause I done brought that shit home. It's two different environments, nigga. You can learn your different environments and still be you. Yeah. So all this shit, like, always looked at life like, like it was kind of like a preservation. Because growing up in the projects, growing up where I was at, having the stepfather that I had, growing up in the family that I was, you know, the neglect, that shit could have all went terrible. Mm -hmm. But instead, it was like where there was no guidance, you had guidance. Mm -hmm. it's like, it's Always. Like that. It's like instead of, like you said, you had friends that showed you how to cook and clean. I was that. You know what I'm saying? Because this burden was placed upon me, and I was like, you know what? Fuck you I'm like, I, I do that shit. But y'all ain't about to break me with shit. You know what I'm saying? You're not about to control me with nothing. Like, me and my mother would go to war over that shit. You know, I would be on punishment six months out of the 12 month year just because I simply won't comply with the way you think about doing shit. Mm -hmm. With the way I might want to do some shit. Because if you place all this responsibility in my hands as a natural born man, it's my natural inkling to do with this as I see fit because it's my responsibility. You can't dictate my responsibility. And I think that's where a lot of black mothers and a lot of black women in general get this shit misconstrued. You can't dictate a man. You know, the government might have gave niggas that type of, you know, and induced slavery because Rome learned that shit early. If you put the women in charge, over the population that we got subservient over, so we show them they'll fuck them up. They keep the men in line themselves. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. they'll run this shit forward. And that's basically over time, over hundreds and hundreds of years to reinforce that man ain't shit. You better keep that man in line or I'm selling your babies. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You better keep that family in line or I'm, I'll put you in charge. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it gotta be, it gotta be some other back end to, to, to fund this shit. 
because niggas could just be that ass. We have been on this shit. You know what I'm saying? If, if, it was, if we was under natural law, no man would be subjugated to no woman because we just beat our way out. Mm-hmm. Our mothers, grandmothers. It, think about it. Your mother gets smart with you. She got a backing with her, whether it be the family, the other aunties coming to jump your ass, your father or the stepfathers or whatever, some bad or whatever, whatever dude she got behind her or the law. But if it was the natural law, me and no natural law all too well. I can't come talk shit to you. You might whoop my ass. Same. You know what I'm saying? I'm, you know what I'm saying? I can't come talk shit to you. I can't, hey, bro, fuck you. I can't say no shit like that because it's a strong chance you might not like that shit and whoop my ass. And same with me. Like, men, if we, if we understand that instinctively. So, therefore, men are calm and cool. Women, if they back by something, they don't understand that. They, they back by the power, they back them. And women are back by the government. Have been backed by the government since the white people been in control for the last 1500 years. So that power, with all that shit coming behind it, we got to dive into that shit because that is a lot of our trauma. Think about that shit. No men was in place to protect us. Everybody got the same trauma, and if it was one in place, he had a woman over him. It subjugated him. He didn't know how to act. I guarantee you, your, your father and grandfather don't know how to, as masculine as they is, they were still emasculated. Because mm-hmm. we black, we in America, we've been emasculated this whole fucking time. We don't, have true, we don't have true autonomy like no other race. Mm-hmm. I remember my mother telling me about my grandfather. My grandfather had whooped on my grandmother one night. And his mother made him get her a chair. And she stood on that chair and she whooped his ass for putting his hands on my grandmother. Now, like you said, if that would have been natural, she wouldn't have stepped out of place to do so. That would have been more so of, i take care of you when he done. But she stood on the chair because she was about my height and he was about Ms. height, maybe a little bit taller. She sat on the chair and whooped his ass. You're not going to keep doing that in front of these kids and giving these kids trauma. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, but I see where you talk about. Had that not, had that, that fear of a woman not been in place, who said, where my grandmother would have ended up? You know what I'm saying? It's an ugly, it's an ugly, ugly cycle. Yeah. Talk about Mm -hmm. things like that. Because everybody's wrong in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Everybody's wrong. Right. Right. Okay. But, but again, you see the dynamics of where we come from. Like, we talked about color purple and how the late Mrs. Uh, uh, Seely's mama, Seely's real father died. Seely and Nettie. Mama had to marry another man in order to keep protection in order to keep motherfuckers from running up and taking her store and taking her land. She had to marry this man who really didn't have no loyalty towards her or them kids. That's why he did what he did to Seeley because he had no loyalty to make his kids. I just yeah. seen a story today, man. They said they got uh, it was a story about these families who was in slavery in the nineteen sixties. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Still I saw that story, yeah. That Still shit. And, and when I thought about it, you ever seen that movie Antebellum? No, I ain't never checked that that's movie out. I, I think that's what that movie is about. I think that's where they got that. 
that, that concept. concept of yeah. Being in slavery in modern day. The yeah, way it was. yeah. And when they broke it down, they was in such rural areas and so forth that they couldn't move, and white people dictate everything around. So they basically had modern day. They basically slavery. It was modern day slavery, but the they called it sharecroppers. Yeah, yeah. It never. And the thing is, when y'all think when they freed us, like remember Texas didn't even know they was free. Mm-hmm. It had to take a corporal to ride in on the horse in town. Like y'all know y'all good, right? Like y'all can leave. But if you read into slavery chronicles, and it's sickening me because we were taught that slaves were like, oh my God, I'm so happy to be free and liberation is and another. Our minds were so ingrained into these people and being servitude to these people that a lot of slaves felt like they were better off mm-hmm. when they were in slavery. Yep. They said we are in worse conditions than we were when we were slave. I'd rather go back and work for Massa. You know what I'm saying? Because I got three hots in the cot. But, and then when you look, just think about it with warfare. We run to the system. Mm -hmm. Give us our three hots in the cot. Uh You know what I'm saying? Give us our bag of potatoes so that we can live complacently. Uh I know so many females, generations, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. they hold like four or five years. You turn you turn eighteen, like, go get you a low income. Like, yeah. Go they they tell you the yeah. the directions. Yeah, y'all been no judge nobody nothing, but then y'all been in the projects at the sixties. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Three, four generations deep. Yeah. The 60s, and they don't yeah. know no better than yeah. when they give them section eight. Yeah, send them out into the world. I told you, my grandmother, my grandmothers and my aunts from Huff. That was my that was what they told me when I turned eighteen. They said, "Go sign up for Section Eight. Go to the welfare." They told me all the tools to get into the system. Go get this. Go get that. Go get this. Go get that. No, but this is how they live. Yeah, yeah. This was they. This was they thing to. Oh, this is what's gonna settle you. Yes, but it is. It really is. Young black girls, like especially when you growing up in certain areas. Like my grandmother was so pissed at me because I moved into Rainbow Terrace. I took my son and moved out my grandma's house. And was like, no, I'm going to get my own shit. I didn't have to. My grandma did the same shit. I did not have to. Yeah. I could have stayed shit. home. That's why I said, why can't but you I stay home and say, go to school? My oh, grandmother my grandma said, said that. they all said all that. Said I wanted that. to and go. My mama wanted to be grown. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I think about it, that's the reason I love my mama. That's your Yeah, yeah. Because we thought, we thought. Forty years from now, we still know. Exactly. Yeah, but exactly. look what our concept of grown was. Grown was having your own. Uh huh. 
and getting a check and doing what you want to do inside your in house. your house it was not learning the responsibility of budgeting it was not learning the responsibility of how to properly take care of your kids it was none of that it was I'm grown, so I want to have a house so I can party like my aunties used to party uh -huh. in the basement. Or I can fuck whoever I want I can, to I want I to. Can, right, I can bring house. dude yeah, in the house and I don't yeah. have to sneak. Right. That's what we wanted to be grown for. We didn't want to be grown for aspirations. Not all of us. Not all of us. But the majority of us that are hindered. This is their thought process. And when you talk about being grown being out the house. I mean, all it brings to mind is the cycle of, in a sense, enslaving your children because you need mm -hmm. them to be in control into a certain uh -huh. measure of control so that you can do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So you have this constant cycle that, that, that we're talking about here. You know, mm -hmm. you know, so instead of pushing the kids to be their best by sacrificing your life, uh -huh. you sacrificing the kids so that you can get your life back. Yeah. Right, because yeah. you just got your 40 acres and a mule, and you just mm -hmm. got free. Uh-huh. Yep. So, yeah. right? right, you just yeah. got free, got yeah. emancipated. Right. Right? <laughs> got your Juneteenth on. Right. So I'm going to go do what I want to do, and y'all stay in line or or else. Mm -hmm. You know, when... And, the, and being the oldest... You're placed upon. You make sure these kids don't fuck up my house. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. If they fuck up my house. I'm fucking you. Right. Yeah. You're the overseer. Yeah. So yeah. So we we live in plantation thought processes. We is indoctrinated into us. And what I love is that we are being woke. Mm -hmm. But we we. We don't understand how deep it is in our blood with the things that we think about, how we treat each other, how we, you know what I'm saying? Like Cleveland, I'm coming into a place where I will be a business owner, things of that nature. And I'm thinking of ways to open up transitional houses, you know, things of that nature. When, I, when I'm coming into this business area, because Cleveland is a small circle and mm -hmm. it's cliquish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I see these prominent people, and it sickens me because. Oh no no! I've been bamboozled. I've been bamboozled out of fifteen thousand dollars by somebody who was all about. Mm -hmm. We need to come together, but she seen an opportunity and she took that opportunity, and that's fine. That's neither here nor there. But Cleveland, everything is fifteen minutes away from each other. These people build these businesses and make this money to drive around in Bugattas and Lexuses and whatever to drive 15 minutes around the city to say, oh, that's such and such. She owned this and another. That's such and such and such and such and such and such and such. Mm -hmm. We are going through active gentrification right now. Mm -hmm. And we got the money to buy our neighborhoods back. But what we do? You can go, yeah. You can go buy a lot on Way Park for five thousand. That's all that shit is. Everybody got an ascension of life. Yeah, it's just we we have to. Like being a nigga ain't good. We gotta prove our worth. We have to prove our worth, and our worth is monetary. And it's not. Our worth comes from our melanin, from our his uh, our subs yes it's amazing well it just comes back to a loss of culture 
Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a loss yeah. of culture, it's a loss of identity, a loss of understanding what you're saying. It's a loss of culture, because if you think about it, our culture. Side, everybody follows black people. Yeah, our culture our is culture, amazing. It, our culture leads the world. But guess well, what our culture, control our culture, what they look at our culture as, though. Our, our economic culture is really what I'm speaking to. Yeah. Look, our economic yeah. culture, the culture that develops um, responsible citizens, the, the culture that develops people that are... Okay, we had that. We had a whole town. The well, time well, that well, they burnt down. Well, yeah, absolutely yeah. at one time, but... Oklahoma. But when you're talking about, you're talking about... You know, a, a whole uh, the systematic um, destruction of of our centers of power. Again, systematic destruction of our centers of power. Mm -hmm. So whenever black people, black folks tried to work with white people mm -hmm. directly, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't let us. We try to go off on our own and do our own thing. They won't let that happen. So you know, then we're begging for integration and all this other stuff. You know, we got all these other things that 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 we're we're, we're, we're trying. We're just trying. We're trying to try. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get there. We're trying to do, get something going. You know what I'm saying? So, in that, when it comes to having an economic culture, we don't have that. And I think that's where a lot of our problems, a lot of our challenges within our community come from, because we're not. It's not built. Because baby, listen. We got it. We, we do. We and you know why we don't that's, that's because we don't think of it and we so will not get a and we don't we don't think of it in a political aspect. When people think of the president, they think that the president is the one who enact these laws and they is the president's fault for everything. The president is only the face of America. We don't understand that our laws and our every our constitution is enacted by the Congress, by the judici judicial system. So we don't go out and vote, or we vote for the person that, you know what I'm saying? And in, in regards to our culture, they love our culture because they look at our culture when we was Bojangles. Mm -hmm. We dance around, and we, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 right. Entertainers and athletes. Yeah, yeah. What country take on, what country got conquered? And then after they got conquered, said, you know what? Ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. The president don't mean shit. That's why we ain't oh, heard no, from Biden since. Oh, we talk about like this. We talk about this history. But listen you know, at our look at our constitution. Our constitution is meant to keep black people enslaved in poverty. Our 13th Amendment that says that all people are free. There's an asterisk well, the at the bottom that says, yeah. but if you commit a crime or if you do anything that we feel deems you against the United States of America, you become back into the servitude of America. So that's what they did to us with prison systems, with the welfare system, things of that nature. They made us back into servitude to America. So what we can do in present day, we haven't. What we can do in present day, they see it's always a catch-22. They put these laws, but they just didn't tell us how we can change these laws. Mm -hmm. So when you look at a person that you're putting into a seat, Trump, 
Trump put everybody into position that he needed to when he left. That's why they overturned Roe versus Wade. You know what I'm saying? It, it's all about we have to learn how to strategize. And not every time we get emotional, we want to rally and we want to protest. We need to learn how to do strategic things that put people in place where we can change some of these policies and some of these laws, and we don't do that. It's a problem with that. Yeah. And this, and this, and this is why I say, like, these conversations with black people is hard. Yeah. Because, like what Bill and Mike said, man, how many people shoot? How many people fish? How many people throw their own pool? How many people you have to fight for your freedom? Mm -hmm. They're not going to say, hey, we have a policy for you, Negroes. We, you, you guys make $1.3 trillion just fucking around being in your mm -hmm. That's the eighth biggest power. That's the eighth biggest economic base if we was a country. If you just took black, every black person in America just made them a country, would be the eighth richest country in the Man, world. Listen. Mm -hmm. so, Man, listen. So, why would we let y'all control that much power? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we've been controlling y'all this whole fucking time, why would I let y'all take that shit? You're going to have to beat me. Mm -hmm. And I've had 400 years to stack my guns up. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I stack these guns up is because I'm scared of y'all. Mm -hmm. So, do y'all niggas really want to fight over this thing we call our planet? And black people like, hell no, all over the world. It's not, this ain't no new shit. Like, when I read the Bible, the Bible is the history book. The nations mm -hmm. only took different forms. Just like we sit here and talk about countries. Those countries were nations. Mm -hmm. at one point in time it just took on the form of the country that they is now so they started off as families who grew in the clans who grew in the nations mm -hmm. so when you go back to when the bible was happening they were still like we niggas we a nation of the nation of fucking christine the nation of justin mm -hmm. the nation of stroke you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying but now those nations grew into people and now you see what you see now democracy so, so now it's like all right the same shit that you've seen then when them niggas came out of Egypt, what did they say? I, I want to go back to Pharaoh. This shit is fucked up. If you brought us out of here in this wilderness, we were better off with the raiment and the shit that Pharaoh gave us. Take us back. Mm -hmm. Every time that the children of Israel came out of a bondage, they said the exact same shit. Go back. Into bondage. What do most I do? Send your asses back. And this time I'm sending you back in ships. This time you will not be able to buy shit. Anytime you build some shit, it's going to get towed down. It's in the book. And when the book is that fucking clear, I'm sorry. I just have to take the shit for what it is. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, I, white people didn't make the Bible. At all. They recreated right. the Bible. They retranslated the Bible. The Bible was here before white people. And it wasn't the Bible, it was scripts. It, it was Torah. It was yeah. Septuagint. It was different shit mm -hmm. that, they, that the Romans took and said, hey, all these motherfuckers, we're going to gather up their religion and make one and we're going to control them with their church and state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We the state, the state is the army, the guns. Yeah. Hey, I'm the, I'm the force that if you don't do this shit, I'll beat your ass. Yeah. The religion yeah. is the shit to keep your mind subjugated to do this shit so you won't get up control and say, process. you know what, I think I'm going to try to beat this nigga ass. Right. I'm tired of this shit. Yeah. Everybody had yeah. that moment where you be like, you know what, parent, I'm tired of your shit. Yeah. I'm ready to beat your ass. Mm -hmm. Everybody then, everybody then had that moment where you look at your stepfather, your mama, everybody. I ain't gonna be too many motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I ain't that hit right. shit. Right. It gotta that shit go. Dead. We yeah. done. 
mm-hmm. what's up? Yeah. Now you at a certain I'm size, tired. and it's like I'm tired. You're not about to oppress me. Everybody mm-hmm. had a natural inkling. Yeah. Have to take that shit out of the religion. Mm-hmm. And that's what religion was created for, in the mm-hmm. sense that we see it now today. Yeah. Religion was created to subjugate. That's yeah. Like, there's no, there's yeah. no doubt about that. I believe in authentic spirituality, and I believe in there's, there's religion, and mm-hmm. religion, in my perspective, from my perspective, is created to subjugate, and like I said, it's a part of our trauma. Um, it's part of the trauma uh, response that we have as a people. You know what I'm saying? So it's I think it's imperative that we that we begin to learn the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, because at, at the end of the day, like I said, I moved on from ministry not because I have I no longer believe in Christ. I moved on from ministry because I got tired of the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I began to realize that that system uh, was part of the reason why I had no voice. Wow. Because I'm upholding an ideal with components that I don't necessarily jive with, mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily work with. You know what I mean? And I'm not supposed to look at them. Yeah. I'm not supposed to, right? I'm not supposed to ask no questions. At right? all. Be seen and not heard. Yeah. So, you know, right. now me, I had begun, when I, while I was still in ministry, I had begun to just to allow my questions to, to, to thrive and to, to fly. And I had some backing that allowed me to do that. But what pushed me over the edge was, was again, just realizing that there was no voice for me. And so, paralleling that to, to what I see with black people in general, Black people in general, unfortunately, I say in general, not all, mm-hmm. um, but in general, you still see this thing of religious dominance mm-hmm. in our community mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. keep us subjugated and in a position where we're still powerless to, to whatever extent. If you wanted to grow, and if you wanted to move beyond it, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be called crazy. You're going to be called whatever. Mm-hmm. You're going to be shunned. You're going to be shunned. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because the whole purpose is to keep you in line with mm-hmm. the rest. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Well, and <laughs> you already this. know. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, the church. <laughs> the church. I was in a foster home. First lady, pastor. I've seen more sinning in that home, and I've seen these people just be human. You know what I'm saying? But go into a church and testify to these hundreds and whatever of people to get that, get them to pass that plate around. It was a, I, I learned that it was a business. Mm-hmm. I have, to this day, as we speak, it's a prominent pastor in Cleveland who calls my phone and I look to this man as a mentor. I look to this man as a mentor. And when he seen me, you know, blossom into who I am, this man propositions me on a weekly basis. And it sickens me. (laughs) But, What I'm saying is this man is held to a godly standard. You get what I'm saying? And these it's flocks of people who follow this person. And it's like... Is he married? Yeah. Very much so. Very much 
very much so. But it's it's things. That's too much masculinity for a black man to have that much power. Like it's certain shit that just ain't. But it sickens me, and that's. But I I lost my faith. I was molested in the church, in the bathroom. You get what I'm saying, and I couldn't understand this God that condemns all sin, that condemns all things, and this hell. That's why I said I, I need to understand this pit of hell because I don't think everybody go there. Like it must be another pit. But I I I just. This is hell. But you, because you create, woo, <laughs> it's something in that bottom of that ocean. Everything that's going on on Earth. Think about the worst shit ever that can happen on Earth. It's somewhere worse than that. Weird but you have to think that hell is within you uh-huh. heaven is within you yeah you're not going to progress yeah do you know what's the fish at the top of the sea you ain't going to be attacked <laughs> a shrimp which room would you rather be a fish at though? Eel. Right. I'm just saying, you might come back as a fucking. Something. Exactly. That's. I think hell is within you. Heaven is within you. Yeah. You may go there. I think I, I, I think hell here. I just think we don't know where it's at. Like you got to think how about how big this fucking planet is. Look at your phone right now. Look at that shot. Yeah. Come on, man. We somewhere worse than that. When Jesus gonna come down on that cloud? We humans. It's an antelope being born right now. Enough is enough. Right. It's his life, not. You know what I'm saying? Like affect my whole life in eternity. Hell yeah. Yeah. So the I think it's, it sounds so easy, but the to me the key to life is treat others right. Uh-huh. Learn, progress, grow. Yeah. Yeah. And do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Yeah. That's the golden rule amongst the big three. The big three. The religions: Christianity, Judaism, Catholicism. Do unto others. Yeah. As you would have done unto you. That means treat people right. That's that's the golden rule of life. That's treat not people the right. Rule. The actual rule is to remember the strength. And to remember when you was enslaved. Like they, they they rewrote that whole shit. It's not do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's remember the slave, remember the stranger. And remember when you was in Egypt and I brought your ass out of fine. The one that the Christians steal from don't be talking that sweet shit. If you actually read the book, he a strong cold man of work, gorilla pimp, beat your ass, burn you up in a moment. Like that's if you really think about it, that's why they have to calm our people down to the extent that we calm down. That they like think about it, it's a church on every corner. Mm-hmm. It's a liquor store. It's liquor store everywhere. They send us diseases. They send us the worst food, the worst everything. Yet we still fucking here. The same story yeah. that Pharaoh had 
this shit started. It's the same fucking story. I keep reading this shit. We gotta get rid of these niggas in the 60s and Planned Parenthood. Bro, the motherfucking Margaret Sanger and them. We gotta get these niggas out of here. There's too many niggas. When they went around the world, shit, Tasmania. It ain't a, it ain't a Tasmanian alive right now. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they bred their asses out. They trying to get rid of niggas everywhere they can't. Why? Because niggas is the people of God. You cannot get rid of the people God of God and expect this planet to just take that shit. It's not going to happen. We live in harmony with the planet. But we have to know that. And it starts with us. Just like the biggest thing with me being a black woman that I'm seeing now and coming into myself is that me loving myself creates more enemies. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You get what I'm saying? Like Definitely. I go I walk into work and I know I have I I've learned to not look down but look up. Mm -hmm. I need to look you in your eye when I speak to you. You know, and our black women, we are our biggest enemies. Yeah. We feel that we are a threat mm -hmm. to each other. Yeah. And we have to start loving on each other and just embracing each other, but in regards to childhood trauma, again, to know where we, to know where you want to go, you have to know where you come from, and you have to know, like with my mother, I know that she was a rape baby, so I know she wasn't loved, and so she wasn't able to give us the substantial love that she wanted to give us, and my mother died of cancer, and I had six months with her, and I spent 40 years, 42 41 and a half years hating her. And I spent six months, I got six months to fall in love with her. And so then you gotta, you have to step outside the box and look at the bigger picture of why things are the way that they are and why people do the, the things that they do. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Okay. And when you begin to do that, you can heal. But until then, if you keep yourself in a box and you keep yourself in a thought process of everybody is demons, everybody is, you know, whatever. But that's where you're going to be. Is I, 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 but we're yeah. working on. I'm not a demon. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, I'm not saying a demon in the sense of a demon in action. What I'm saying is everybody got demons. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, us as a people come from a, uh, we, a, a demonic place like to where this shit don't happen to us just out of nature this is some demonic shit we can all agree that white supremacy is demonic you cannot do this shit to a human without some type of higher power to allow you to do this shit how do you shoot a nigga 60 fucking times that is demonic how do you the motherfucker with the knee on his back. How do you just sit there and watch this man do hanging niggas and chopping their nuts? But up? what is a demon? What 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 a demon? Or is it the thought process that was embedded into them to feel this way? Where that thought process came from? If it all came from nature, like generational, like it's hundreds and hundreds well, and hundreds of years. Where they come from, they've only been saying, around like, 6,000 years. Yeah. They were not around as long as they we've us. been around. If you we really want to be are us, honest. but humans is humans is humans is humans, and we try to isolate each other. But the thing is, just like there's six degrees of separation, there's degrees of melanation. 
we as an organism, because that's what we are, we move to different areas and our bodies adjusted and adapted to these different areas. So white people are white because they were in European, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever no, they did. That don't make sense because it, at the end of the day, you still got black people in Europe that never change. But that's because so we that migrate. Theory, that we migrate, but you me. have to think of the organism itself. That theory alone always boggled my Pe mind because it's like we separating and we saying that we were here, but you weren't. But we all, if you were to, if I was to cut open a white person and I was to cut up an open a black person, what differentiates us? I don't have a third kidney. I don't have a second heart. I don't have a. You know what I'm saying? Like we that work that don't work in theirs. Because like the that's called plan. that's adaptation. That's adaptation. It's adaptation. And when we quit trying to differentiate and say, "Oh, we were here before you," a organism or whatever it is that brought us here, because don't nobody know this until we die. Nobody will know the true. True truth of of life until we die and we say, Oh, that's how the fuck we got here. You know, we have to quit. We have to quit doing that. We have to. I don't I don't know where we came from. All I know is a person that lives in Saudi Arabia, that lives in Africa, that lives in Ethiopia, they're gonna have darker skin because there's more sun. A person who lives in Europe that lives in a Poland that lives in Germany is going to have fair skin because they have no sun. Just like people who are in California are happier because they got more vitamin D and then you come to Cleveland and we have 30% sun and we angry as fuck. It's true. We I've been in... 90, days of summer, yeah. yeah. And so we, we come off California. Yes. California. California. Yeah. Man, listen, I just been there for three months. And when I tell you I came here, oh, happy day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what I tell So it's, exactly, exactly. So our mannerisms adapt to our environment. So when we understand that and we quit trying to put each other into these categories of I was here before you, I was this and another, we all started from something, something, and we migrated. And, bottom, and that's... Yeah. See, the bottom line to all this is the love for self. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom yep. line. Yep. Um, so white people, a, yeah, go there's ahead. There's a commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and one thing I learned oh, it's amazing. when I realized in the church that they didn't teach you about loving yourself mm -mm. is the harping was on loving loving your neighbor. But if you're familiar with the concept, the mirror concept, you can only do something effectively that you can Same. properly identify with. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't properly love my neighbor whoever that may be, if I don't, love if I don't properly love myself. Exactly. I don't know what, which is why when people talk about hate, you can only hate something because you've experienced hate in your within life. yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that really, really works. Um, so to that end, understanding again, trauma, 
Oh. It's embedded. It's embedded because mm-hmm. we were taught to hate ourselves. Yeah. Exactly. So just yeah. like black people have to heal, white people have to heal. <laughs> and they have to understand that in their own prominence. You get what I'm saying? And they, they that's that's for them to do. Man. They don't know. They and wouldn't, that it they is what. Man. So when we think of nature versus nurture, what is nature versus nurture? Um, nature and nurture is one of the same kind of nature. So, no, nature versus nurture is. So, the what nature versus nurture is that you adapt to what you are born into. And these are things that have been proven scientifically. There's a child that was left in the woods and raised by wolves. What is their thought process? Wolf. Wolf. That's nature versus nurture. So you adapt to what you are brought into. If you teach me how to love, if you teach me how to be unbiased, if you teach me how to live a life accordingly, Mormons, they are Mormons because they were adapted into being a Mormon. Christians are adapted into being a Christian because this is what's embedded in you as you are born. When you are born, you are blank slate. If I was to be dropped off in a snake pit and the snakes took care of me, I'm going to come out that snake pit pissing. I mean, you I can agree with that. I mean, that's, that. animals actually do that. Right. Uh, cats that hang around dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They act like dogs. Personality wise, but your DNA still going to come out. How? There's a component. He's right. I think there's a component of the DNA of the DNA self comes out. Your DNA of your bloodline eventually and I learned this by meeting my father at 26. Yeah. The characteristics of, all right, me and him both went to the military. That's not the part that makes this shit weird. We both was scheduled for Fort Jackson. Both got sent to Fort Leonard. Both got out for the exact same reason we never met each other. Only difference is, I seen why I got out. My father just had an end. He just knew to get out on some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. I read the rules before I went in, so my exit was a little different than his. But we both seen, it's like having a DNA. And 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 the only reason I can speak to this shit because I wasn't with my father. Had I been with my father, I wouldn't, I would be oblivious to it because I would have been with him my whole life. Like I am to my mama shit. My mama shit, I gotta go look up because I've been oblivious to it my whole life. I've been with her the whole time. So it's shit that I know, but I never look behind the scenes. My father is all I knew. So that newness brings curiosity, and that curiosity, I feel energies in myself that I feel when I'm with this nigga. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, hey, that's where that shit come from. Mm-hmm. That's where this come from. That's where that come from. And that's where I say, like, all right, you can still drop a human off anywhere, and they can get raised by any animal, but they still got human characteristics. Mm-hmm. They might take on the characteristics of whatever animal they raised by, but they still human. And right. if they ever come back in contact with humans, all that animal shit gonna get rewrote, and they gonna it, turn back into a human, but they gonna die. It doesn't though. Confused. Every time, because yeah. I, I study some shit like this where they found humans being raised by animals, antelopes, uh, all types of shit, where they be walking on fours and. They like, what the fuck? As soon as you and take that out that environment, they die. They they learn to adjust. Right. But they die of unhappiness because they, they are they 
they let about those yeah. first seven years of life where your mm-hmm. brain is being formed. Thank you. That's what I'm yeah. trying to tell that's you. It's, it's a window about. of time. And so, mm-hmm. and I think you're both right, but it, but the thing that what brings them together is realizing that the whole idea behind nature is that you're going to experience certain outcomes because of your genetic disposition. Mm-hmm. Nurture is how you get there. Yes. Nurture yes. is how you get there and how yeah. you end up. So you can have, your parents could have been poor, destitute, whatever, and they went through, you know, your dad went through whatever outcomes in his life. Mm-hmm. And let's say I come up, but I become a billionaire. Crazy thing is, in some way, shape, or form, I'm going to have some of the same exact outcomes, uh-huh. just like you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like your dad, yeah. But I'm in a different place in my life, or different uh place in life experiencing those things Mm -hmm. so i think that one thing we have to realize is that both are important both are extremely important one thing my parents did raise me to to understand is to be mindful of of um what's in our generational lines Mm -hmm. health-wise spiritually financially emotionally what things run in the family so that you can Mm -hmm. see what you can head off Mm -hmm. but at, at you know, the age I'm at now, age of 42, I can honestly say that I can honestly see myself playing out things that my father did. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Yeah. it's not happening the exact same way, but it's the same outcome. Mm-hmm. It's the same outcome. It's the same outcome. I don't care how you cut it, it's the same outcome. Yeah. And, um, my dad was twice divorced. I'm twice divorced. <laughs> okay? Um, yeah. Um, you know, he's got multiple children by different women. I have multiple children by different women. It's the same outcome, but mine looks a little bit different from his. Right. That, you know, that's yeah. it. My head, the way my head is screwed on is a little different from the way his was screwed his, on, but we still got, we the, still same got the same head. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, this is, I think these are the things that we have to look at as we're talking about heading off or addressing the trauma that we have in our lives. Exactly. You know, when I look at stars and they do their lineages, a lot of stars come from stars. Mm-hmm. Have you not noticed that? Like, oh, a yeah. lot of stars have a, a, a talent. Scottie uh, Pippen Jr., Michael Jordan Jr., uh, uh, Beyonce, Jackson. I mean, mm-hmm. they... They have some, so you're right. Like you said, you are, you have those, yeah. So we can agree to disagree. We can agree to agree, not disagree, but. Like, that's what I tell people. It ain't even about agreeing and disagreeing. Two things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? My reality can be true for me. Your reality can be true for me. Two realities can be true at the same time. Right. And I think where. Black people never talk about our attention and deprivation. Mm-hmm. Whereas us as individuals, because the focus on us being our misbehavior, that we attention deprived in our beauty as a people. Mm-hmm. Like Chinese people and Asian people for all that Asian shit and all that Asian hate they say they got, they still look at as a people. Mm-hmm. They got diminished for nothing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Same with whites. For all the good and bad shit they did, they're not diminished. We're the only people that's diminished as a human. Like, as, 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 like everybody else got their faults, but for some strange reason, these niggas over here 
as if we was whole Man. different subspecies. We... Think about the word nigga in itself. Yes. These Negroes over here, mm -hmm. because of them, you know what I'm saying? It's always like we a different subset, and because of that, we always trying to prove to the world that we we are amazing. We are amazing, mm -hmm. and but we don't have to do prove. That. Yeah, yeah, that's why yeah. we are that's such a triple threat. Exactly, but we have to know it ourselves. Yeah, and when we do know it ourselves, not to use it as arrogance. And to say, I'm better than you. I got more than you. We have to look, you utilize it to uplift ourselves. And until we get to that point, like, this is where we'll be. Yeah. The Bible says we're stiff necked people. Always. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't even like calling it the Bible. I call it the book of niggas. Because that book is all about niggas. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you, even if you want to argue that the Bible was written by the white man, I don't think it was written by the white man. It, it, like that's what I'm saying. At the time of its yeah. inception, with the stories and mm -hmm. the way the shit lined up, it don't line up with white people. At all. On the scene, that's that's not it. European culture. Yeah, so no. by the time you bring European culture, and European culture is Greek. You can't forget Greek. You mm -hmm. can't forget um, what's the other culture? It's Greeks, uh, Persians, Persians, Persians as well. You know, all the all the captivities that us as Israelites went through. You got the Egyptians, which was our similar people. Mm -hmm. um, you got the um, the Greeks, the Romans, the Persians. These was different captivities that you can trace back in history that line up with the Bible. Like you can literally go into these countries and go into these places, and they tell you when they had them in captivity and what happened with them. America is the last people to have us in captivity. They shall boast with the wings of the eagle. They shall, our whole shit is in the book. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why I say, like, us as a people have to get a sense. And I see it happening because. I do too. I do. Eight years ago, this conversation was small. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was looked at yeah. as crazy to be even having these thoughts, but now it's more people that understand. Like, hey, I see what you're saying, now. Like, we waking I, up. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I ain't sure. I, I thought you was crazy your whole life. I had niggas tell me this shit. Like, I always thought you was crazy motherfucker your whole life. Mm. I get it now. Mm. And that, and it's like, all right, cool. And like, that's I see amazing. my purpose. I see my purpose. I yes. see I get it. You know what I'm saying? But we so disconnected from our source, our original source. Not the not the the different names that they've given us, but the names we've given him. Our ancestors gave him a name. We don't call him by that name. Our ancestors made this deal for bloodlines, generations to generations. Every bloodline does that. That's why the Chinese people still follow their customs. Mm -hmm. That's why the Japanese still follow their customs. Mm -hmm. That's why the white man, no matter how much they fight each other, still fight that, still follow mm -hmm. their customs. It's hereditary. You have to do this shit. That is our assignment, our lot in life of being humans. We could have been born sea turtles. Like, I mean, like real shit. Like. Mm -hmm. That's our lot. But if we don't understand that, they keep us from knowledge for a reason. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Yeah. And that, that brings us back to know who, to know where not, we not, are, not, not, not know who we are. Not the projects mm -hmm. and fuck off. Not, not none of that shit. You perish. We are not so above that. Like mm -hmm. you said, that soul, nigga, that's what it, that's the end game. Man. That soul. Man. If I could dirty you up here for this little bit of time, I got you for the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pass it along to your children uh-huh. and your grandchildren. Yeah. It's an ongoing battle. Yeah. And we got to realize this shit, man. And it's like, man, you got to speak out and say these things as uncomfortable as it is. You might have to call Big Mama out. Mm-hmm. You might have to call Mama out. You might have to call Daddy out. And you say you were wrong. And you were subservient. And mm-hmm. you were abusive. And you yeah. were abusive you because of your... Shit. Yeah. Because if I don't yep. stop this shit, this shit gonna pass on to my Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. If I don't stop this shit, this shit gonna keep going. I, I get it. If I already perpetuated enough, not knowing. Yes. Ignorance. And that's, that's what I say with my grandmother and I'm like, I get it. I, I love my grandmother and she was so strong, but I see how weak she was and how influenced she was, you know. No, I'm just, it was a different time, but her, and I'm not saying it's her fault. I'm saying what she was put into, but my grandmother's biggest thing in life was whenever you were going through something, just pray about it. Take your Bible out. She would write down the scripture on an eight by 10 and that would be her answer. You know what I'm saying? When things happen in our family, they were swept up under the rug and got and grandma took it to church and paid her tithes and said, you know, God gonna heal us. So that's what I say when I say not weak, but weak minded in regards to what we needed to do to get ourselves together, to get our lives together, to heal therapy. That's part of the trauma though, that we yeah. need to But they it said what's the script prayer come on baby help me. Prayer is nothing without work. Yeah, faith without work. Faith without work is dead. Okay. So means, help me with that. Yeah. You know, faith without works is dead, meaning you can believe in something all that that's faith. Faith is belief. I believe that, you know, Alexander Graham Bell wished he could talk to a nigga that was across the world. That's faith. Without the works, we don't get the telephone. And the work was him sitting in that room, mm-hmm. writing formulas. Uh, oh, this don't work. Hey, man, uh-huh. I can call my nigga that's overseas. I, I can talk to this man. Mm-hmm. I feel some shit in the air. Where I feel like I can send this man a signal over these little waves and little signals I feel in the air. How can I tap into this shit? He sat down and meditated. Oh, this is the action. This is the, the faith is what he just got told. I want to talk to this man. Like, I have faith. I want to smoke weed my whole life. <laughs> like, real okay. shit. And because I had this faith, I found these weed seeds. And because I found these weed seeds, I stuck these weed seeds in the ground. And because I stuck these weed seeds in the ground, I don't know how to grow weeds. Where if I wanted to smoke weed my whole life, I now can. The faith had to work. Mm-hmm. But as black people, we get faith. We get too involved no in faith. Mm-hmm. This is what I tell niggas, we don't get no blueprints, we don't get no materials to build the shit up that we need because they know that faith is cool. You can always have, a nigga with hope is great. If I can give you hope that you're going to make it another week, you're going to work for me another week. If I can give you hope that one day a man going to come and save you from all this shit, you're going to keep this bullshit coming uh-huh. on because you think some shit going to come save your life. Uh-huh. 
If I tell you, hey, man, one day, all your money problems gonna be took away if you just hit these seven digits when you got one in 275 million chances and you just bet, give me $2 every month. If you done put that $2 every month in your bank account, then you actually have some real money, but no, that faith got your ass broke. You know what I'm saying? There's two ways this shit could go, and that's all the Bible really tell niggas if they read that shit. And this is why I tell people, because black people have a hard time with that fucking book, and I would too. I did. I remember. It take real shit for you to actually go in that motherfucker going there for the shit you really need. I'm not talking about that that bullshit we put on when we want to be all uh, spiritual and religious. I'm talking about when you need the voice and you need specific instructions to the, to talking to that motherfucker and ain't nobody around to help your ass. Every time you try to talk to somebody they give you some bullshit, you gotta go to them. That's when the nigga answer. It's like, I, what's up? Now you can hear it. You ain't got no distractions. You ain't got no motherfucker telling you what I didn't and did not say. It's me. So listen up. And that's what I be trying to tell people, man. I can't speak that shit for everybody. I can't tell you what that voice sound like. I can't tell you what that look like. But what I can tell you is when that shit speak, listen. Mm, yes. Quiet your heart. Quiet your mind. Quiet be your still. Yep. Peace be still. Mm-hmm. Be still. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, nigga, listen. Because we could stop a lot of this bullshit. God didn't raise niggas out of captivity. That's what we get our Nat Turner's. That's what we get our Martin Luther King. That's what we get our, we get those beacons every so often. But do we listen as a people? Nope. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I say the individual. That's why they got smart and attacked us individually and collectively at the same time. I make you want to be a part of something you can never be a part of. Mm-hmm. I make you want to be a part of something you could never be a part of. You could never, as a black person, be a part of America. Mm-hmm. Ever. It wasn't designed for you. Mm-hmm. Ever. I don't give a fuck how much money you make. I don't give a fuck how much notoriety you get. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck how famous you get. I don't care about none of that shit. I don't care how much property you accumulate. They can take all that shit from you with a little shit called the law mm-hmm. that they made. Mm-hmm. Up. And if you can't defend that shit with that gun, you bump. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Facts. For sure. Definitely. Man, listen. Woof. We can go on and on and yeah. on and on and on, but we definitely touched on some very high topics tonight. Um, part two is definitely coming soon. We're going to bring in the mothers who know that they have their own traumas and realize what they've done and they're ready to talk about it. Okay. So, um, we're definitely hey, that's pulling in, yeah, we're definitely pulling <laughs> in some mothers who who understand the process and are ready to heal their generational yeah. lines. Mm-hmm. Um, the third part, I'm bringing the fellas back. Um, Want to allow them to speak their piece as far as being fathers and being able to see where where the wrongs was and try to right those wrongs. Um, I'll, also, I'm gonna try to get my father in on the um, discussion and see if if we can even. I've been over the point where I know he's not. It's not in him to apologize. Yeah. He don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um. But my father has all girls, who all coincidentally had boys. Mm. Maybe one or two of us got girls, but everybody got boys. And I asked my father one day, just on a random, I said, how do it feel to know that every last one of your daughters got a baby father like you? 
Hmm. All my father could do was take a drink of that. Because hmm. he didn't know how to actually answer that question. I do even answer some shit like that, though. Yeah. I was shit, shit. <laughs> and you, right, and you know that's crazy because yeah, like, right, right, yeah. right. You can't because I'm going through the same thing. You can't answer it. I definitely ask. 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 But you know, it's, yeah, it's way makers. are destined yeah. to relive until we get it right. My mother, yeah. like I said, she was a rape baby. Her trauma started with my grandmother. My grandmother, I don't even know what her traumas was. Me, my traumas, and now I have two daughters. They have their own little traumas and mm -hmm. things that they dealing with. And guess what? Now I have three granddaughters. So I feel like I'm gonna keep making girls. We gonna keep making girls. It's weird. I yeah. can't explain uh, it, but it's, 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 it's weird. I it's, got that shit going on the bloodline of mine. I get it for my daughter. Like I feel it coming from their bloodline. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a. I say it's black people don't realize like somebody else stop this shit. Uh -huh. Yeah. It keeps yeah. going. Yeah. Because I noticed my it grandma keeps had going. one kid. My mama had two kids. I got four. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if, if we go on by the math, my kids less than I have at least eight. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And that shit going to keep multiplying if I don't instill in them something different. And that's why, yeah. If I don't, if I don't stop. Mm-hmm. If I don't even, first of all, if I don't acknowledge what the fuck happened in the first place, that's mm -hmm. what we got a problem with. Yeah. Acknowledging. First of all, let me set all y'all niggas free tonight. We always talk about black women accountability and all that other shit. You know, black man's accountability to his brother and not being a father and all that shit. It's neither one of y'all's fault. It's neither one of y'all's fault because y'all been subject. We've all been subjugated under white supremacy. Because we've been subjugated under white supremacy, white supremacy put the man against the woman and the woman against the man. Therefore, we never fight against the true niggas who got us beaten. I believe that shit. Yeah. I believe that shit because if you think about it, women and men naturally come together, even now. Like, the shit that women say, they even sound egregious. I want a man that could be, it sounds so egregious because we, we wasn't taught leadership. It sounds like a fairy tale to us, but that's their natural inclination. As niggas, we know, like, look, we're not monogamous. Like, we're not, none of this shit. But when, this, so instead of just arguing with y'all, when is we going to normalize not calling like, ourselves niggas? I mean, that's what we are. We're not. I mean, it, that was a word that was set upon us. Uh, I mean, I'm not a nigga. I'm not. It's not nigga in the sense of. 
We trying to enlighten a word that was used to label us. Enlightened it. And then we want to get mad if. I just don't like the word. I don't like the word because it's it's something that was put into us that put us into a entitlement. You get what I'm saying? You're not a nigga. You're not a nigga. You're not a nigga. You're not a nigga. Let's stop. Just like we have changed the culture of me addressing you like bitch. Do you know this and another? Now we say sis. No. No. Men say bitch now, because yeah, yeah, yeah. bitch by definition means spiteful woman and two complaints. I used to know that definition by But heart. we as black women, I have seen that the culture has evolved yeah, from yeah. us calling each other yeah. bitches. In the 90s, it was it bitch. Artist? Now it's sis. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not a bitch. You're not a female dog that can get impregnated by anything and everything that humps behind you. You get what I'm saying? That's that's what a bitch is. A bitch is a dog, a female dog that any dog that comes up behind them can fuck them. You know what I'm saying? So now we are understanding we are not bitches. We are that's but it's just we have to we cut we have to stop normalizing normalizing things that degrades us. I just, yeah. I'm not calling you a nigga. No. I'm not. Dr. Francis Chris Wilson said we are literally <coughs> the only race of people who are cool with degradizing yeah, each other. Yeah, we are the only ones. Bitch, hoe, slut, slut trap, nigga, nigga, nigga. That's that, what I'm saying. Bitch, I nigga just. This, bitch, nigga, that. Like, we are so <coughs> to this. We sing it. <coughs> we sing it. We rap it. We we everything is is in I us. Just, no, yeah, I just don't true. like the word. Whereas I just it, don't. You, I don't. That's a, that's a that's a feminist mindset because niggas know niggas. Mm. Listen Email. to it, niggas. Like, that sounds like a that, white person that's no, sitting in the eighteen hundred. Niggas like to do this. Niggas, niggas like to do that. Listen to niggas. it coming out it's, your it's, mouth. Okay, all right, put it like this. It sounds toxic. It does. I'm just sorry. It's just niggas like to do this. And this is what they were labeling us. We did not know the word nigga when we came over Why here. Who didn't give us no word? Who? But they gave us nigga. They didn't give us nigga. Who called? Nigga. We, no, negro. Negro is Spanish. And it means black. So it's a Spanish word that white people used and said nigger. Negress. I get what negress is, but it means black. No, that's it is a term for a color. It's not a term for a person. That's negro. Negus. Negro is what? Negus means black king. Yeah. I have to. I don't know. Negus means black king. And this is why I say our says who? Who came up with negus? Before the again, so how did the white people adapt it to say nigger? Because they took it from the color. Or was it because Spaniards was a part of the slavery culture and Spaniards referred to Africans as negroes? But before they start referring to them as negroes, they referred to them as Moors. Before the before before the before the the racist came into play, people was labeled like he was he was a negro. You know what I'm and what does negro mean? Black. That's what 
That's all it meant. It don't mean what it means now until we get to America. Where Spaniards were a so, part of the colonism of slavery, and they so they referred to us as Negroes because of our skin color. That's what I'm saying. I don't know about niggas, and that's something but I would have to research. Negro, but before the Negro came, it was more black or more. It was all related to color. Yeah. But they not the slave catcher was not calling us Moors. They that's were calling the us niggers. Catch, but the slave catchers that we encountered were not Spaniards. They were English. Exactly. And they and took the, the word Negro and, and they made it nigger. That's because they were the ignorant ones that came over. But we not um, living off of the name we not living off of niggas. Are we living off of niggas or are we are we living off a of nigger? So I get what y'all saying if it meant meant something of royalty, but that's not where that word in America derived from. Either way it's about trauma. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm adjusting on that. Let's roll with the American either shit. Way, either way. Either way. That's either what I'm saying. Like, from the white man that made it determined through the dear, my nigga. We all seen that skit when the first nigga said, My nigga, as a term of endearment, and we felt the energy behind it. That's why we say this shit, my nigga. Because hmm. if we didn't feel the term of endearment, I can't just tell a nigga, Suck my dick. I can't call a nigga, a bitch. No, bitch that's to a nigga in the term of endearment, I can't say, My bitch. Can I say, Can I walk up? Can you walk up to your boy and say, My bitch? It's a different energy behind it. And we're not talking about the word. See, this is where I say this shit is double-edged short. We all been indoctrinated by this white supremacy so much that we can't tap into our own shit. But we that's not arguing about you, the tone of the word instead of the energy behind the shit. But what's the energy? Because the energy, the energy the that came from it was when nigga. you had you know Uncle Tom's. You know your nigga Rob, the right? energy that come from behind it is when we had Uncle Tom's. That was calling Sambo. each other that nigger. You're a nigger. You get what I'm saying? Like, Uncle Tom was the one that was helping everybody. It was Sambo who was telling on everybody. Sambo, Sambo Uncle Tom, Uncle Ruckus, Uncle Fruckus, whoever the fuck it was, they 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 used that terminology that they learned from the people who they were idolizing, the slave masters. To say, oh, nigger, this and another. And we have continued to let it just get in. Then we said, okay, we're going to make this into something that's positive. It's never a positive word. It's not. I'm sorry. Now, if you want to come and you say, what's up, my niggas? N-E-G-U-S. I get it. But that's not how we're using that terminology. We're using that terminology from what was embedded in us. Here. I definitely get that. I understand that. Here. So that's that's we not gonna turn we gonna we not gonna make it into a a a word of royalty unless we use it as royalty. We use it to degrade each other again from us learning how to talk to each other from how masters and slave owners were talking to us, and some of us thought we were better than others, and so we oh them niggas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Them niggers. Yeah. That's where that derives from. It don't d derive from niggas. We just enlightened ourselves and we said, okay, there's a word that describes it more positively, but we don't use it positively. We don't. I'm sorry. So we just don't let the white man determine how we use our... No, I'm just going to call you by your name. I mean, that's cool too, but we always had terms. I'm just going to call you by your name. You're not a nigga. I'm not going to never say nothing to you like that. Like, you're not a nigga. You are a man. You are a man of just amazingness and 
that's how I'm gonna refer to you. Okay, let's flip this. You mad? I'm not. Let, no, let's just I'm say not. you mad. Let's just say you mad. The word nigga, the word never. nigga never come out like so. You you got full autonomy over this whole shit. Like you never say nothing. Like no nigga, no bitch ass, none of that shit. I stopped know? doing that a long time ago because I understood <laughs> where it came from. And I feel like I'm abusing you when I say it to you. I think that's a good example of a great disagree. Yeah. 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 <laughs> great, great example of it. Yeah. And on that note. Yeah. No. Nope. I love when I have Drina in the building. Justin E. We're going to definitely have to get you back. Okay. Um, yes. Definitely. I definitely want to work closer with y'all as far as like um, the traumas and the, the definite uh different things of that nature to even start the shadow work process. Because like you said, you're started and you didn't even give it permission to start. Yeah. That's how that shit happens sometimes. Sometimes you're thrust into shadow work without even knowing. So define shadow work to me. What yeah. is that? Shadow work Ooh. is basically when you dig deep into your deep childhood, what, what makes you you, what's that bad side? Like that, that's said, the, when it takes you to your dark place. He didn't yeah. ask permission. You don't got to dig. Shadow work is your shadow. When the light comes, your shadows, you know what I'm saying? Shadows pop up. Yeah. Light, comes, light. light comes, the shadows revealed, and then you see a part of you that operates without yeah. your. It's the part of you that you operates that without. It's part of your uh, your subconscious going into uh, your unconscious. Yeah. It's the subconscious mind. All that, the shit yeah. that you went through that you blocked out your mind that you don't even know still there. It's shit that you went through as a child that that that, that your mind was like, you know what, this shit will kill her. We're going to tell her something completely different. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So am I shadow working? Yeah. Yes. Big time. Hey. Yes. Big time. It's the work that you're doing <laughs> It's the work that yeah. you're doing yourself mm-hmm. to deal with the issues. That again, you because you do things without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. You act in ways without even realizing right. it. Right. And when you start to work on yourself, you're going to start to find yourself catching yourself. You're like, wait, whoa, where did that come I from? I do. Where did that I do. Where did, yeah. Why am I looking at, why am I feeling <laughs> <laughs> And see, I was calling this stepping outside the box. I was <laughs> no, just saying stepping no, outside the box that, because it's definitely called shock. Because, right? yeah, like even with how my triggers, like with me being a black nurse and like, a travel nurse. It's certain things on the floor now that I'm like dealing with and I'm usually I had this defense like I'm ready to rob bitch fuck you da, 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 da. but I step outside the box and I'm like okay how can I do this differently? Why am I reacting like this? Mm-hmm. Why is this making me so upset? So that's shadow what is it called? Shadow work. Shadow work. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what's up. Yeah. Okay. Definitely so um, part of dealing with tri- childhood trauma is definitely doing the shadow work, mm. digging. Sometimes you don't have to dig far mm-hmm. because it's right there for you to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's usually the starting point. Yeah. Um, and after that, you start to delve deeper into, okay, well, if I fix this part or if I, I've felt this emotion for this part, what else is there? that I need to feel, heal, and let go. And what can I do differently? And what can I do differently from what? this point that's on? That's what's up. Oh. So that's why I said you can't heal what you never reveal. And that's why this that's this series that. is definitely it was amazing. something that, that's going to be a catalyst yeah. into um, working on relationships. Yeah. Because, again, 
everybody want to be in a relationship everybody want this man to give them this or everybody want this woman to give them that but are you giving that to yourself and are you willing to sacrifice to do it so until we get through these traumas of our childhood and why we do the things that we do you can't go love nobody else if you don't love yourself that's what made me love okay. because the notion was you had to be this good nigga to, to keep your shit so by definition i tried to be a good nigga I mm-hmm. kept a job. I never yeah. beat nobody. I, I bore into you. I do everything that you say you're supposed to do. That Christian shit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You try to you try to be like Christ, bitch. Here, love, flowers, mm-hmm. everything. I, I'm gonna do all this shit you want me to do. You know what I'm saying? And and it first of all, they don't teach you about male and female nature in church. Mm-hmm. They teach you some bullshit. Mm-hmm. You got to keep the congregation running. You have to appease the other person instead of both of y'all working on y'all mission with God together and fulfilling mm-hmm. y'all roles. Because mm-hmm. if I'm working for God, and you working for God, and God told you what to do, and he told me what to do, and we both serve the same God, and our mission should line up. We shouldn't it's have It's going to be people. amazing. Yeah. But yeah. we always seem to meet up in divorce or meet up in this. And then when I go into the book and I see the different spirits and I see the different stories and I see the different shit that they never tell you about in church, why this shit is the way it is and why this is that you know what I'm saying? It's like most people associate Jezebel with uh, a cheater. She didn't fuck other niggas. She just had power over me. Power over men that men that that, that ran powerful men to will. Yeah, she had a seductiveness. She had a yeah. she had a sense about herself that threw off the order, and it threw off the order in such a way that it all became about her and the country went mm. powerful men because of that power behind her. Yeah, but you know, and that's the same thing. A, a woman, if she expressed her yeah. her power, she's a hoe. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's always labelism behind it. But the thing that I appreciate with you guys is that I was able to see different degrees of trauma. You know, like how you felt, how you felt being raised by a single mother and having to be in other people's presence and them judging you for having better things and having a better way of life than what, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you being held to a standard of the, the preacher's kid. You get what I'm saying? And having to live your life in this in a way, in a manner of, of which you, you didn't really want to live, but that's what, you know what I'm saying, that's what you were made to do and think. And me coming from abuse and, you know what I'm saying, and how it affected me, and you coming from a mother who put child-rearing into the matriarch of the family. She passed on the responsibility of raising y'all to somebody else. It's So it shows that it's different degrees of trauma. It don't necessarily have to be hitting. It don't necessarily yeah. have to be molestation. Yeah. It don't necessarily have to be mind control. It's, oh, it's just, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. You know? And and I, 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 I seeked everybody out. You did that. You did that because I wanted everybody to have. I wanted a different story. I didn't want everybody, even though all of us have all had traumas. 
Everybody got their everybody, own story to tell. Yeah, but everybody got their own story to tell. And yeah. I wanted it to be able to come from a different form. Not everybody had the same exact story, but everybody got their story. Yeah. So that's why I, I, I sought Justin out. I sought you out. Stroke always with me. Um, my cameraman. Even he got a story to tell. He was one of my original co-hosts when I first started. Yeah. And um, we talked about a lot, even behind the scenes, we talked about a lot. Um, I know a little bit of his story. He know a little bit of mine. And um, we, we've talked about different things. And we've all, we all got a story to tell. Yeah. All of us. And that's why I said, he just don't know. He's going to be brought back on the father. <laughs> he he going to be from... We had the camera in front. Yeah, well, yeah, right. Yeah, he'll figure it out. But right, he like no attention. I know him. He wasn't paying no attention. He was scrolling his phone, letting everything do what he do. Yeah. But I am grateful that y'all all came. I am grateful that this came together as it did. It came together beautifully in the end, and I look forward to working with y'all again. I had a great time. Um, go check Drina's store out down in Tower City Ow. in August. Yes, um, August second. Mizzo got Gold Coast going on. Ew. Justin, we gonna we gonna get you. I'm gonna bring you in. You're Justin is just be, amazing. Gonna, I think you. Gonna be my Dr. Phil. Yeah, yeah, I think you. Yeah. All right, yes, I think you yeah, are very therapeutic. Justin used to be my manager when he worked at the yeah. University Hospital with Sodexo, and um. Me and Justin used to have great conversations. And I always told him, I said, you sitting on the fence. And I want to be there the day you jump off. And I remember when he had that, that he had his, he put a dissertation up on Facebook. And I read it. And I understood it. He was coming into his own where he was removing the mask. Because I seen behind the mask when I met him. And I was like, gonna jump off that fence one day yeah i want to be there to see it when it happens you got an essence and, about you and I, i'm here I'm to see it happening yeah. and I, i'm so proud of him i yeah. love his growth he was all always a great dude always yeah. um that's so sad great talking to people anybody could come talk to him about anything I but you it. always knew it was something behind a mystery. Yeah, like yeah. you knew it was something, but it was like, I can't put my finger on it, but I know it's there. Yeah. You, this ain't you. Mm-hmm. And I used to always pick with him about it. You know, because um, I talk my shit. Y'all, y'all know me, I talk my shit. Um, but Justin was always somebody that I could go to and just talk about anything and everything. Like, I have him in the office for hours. My ass supposed to be at work someday and where, but we in the office talking. And it was a great thing because I got to see behind the mask a lot of the times. Yeah. So that's the main reason why I picked him because I knew he could bring something great to the table. Yeah. Um, again, I had a great time with you all. We're definitely going to work more in the future on, on more collabs. Um, thank you all for coming through. For sure. And we out. For, yeah, thank you for having thank me. Thank you very much. <sighs>